Welcome to According to Flint, the innovative podcast reaching beyond the Western demographic with stories, humor, and interviews. Now, here's your host, Flint Rasmussen. Oh, welcome back to another episode of According to Flint, getting away from the Western lifestyle a little bit. We deal a lot with rodeo bull riding, but everyone knows I have other passions, music, drama, sports. Like to welcome this week's guest, a former, I hope I got this right. I did some research, a former Thousand Oaks High School Lancer. Am I right? That's correct. A Lancer, Montana State Bobcat, Calgary Stampeder. Now number 49 for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I don't know if this is fact, but I'm just going to say the leading tackler for the Philadelphia Eagles. Can I say that? It's Alex Singleton. Alex, I'm close, right? This year? You've had a great year. Yeah, I'm I'm leading. I'm leading. (laughs) I appreciate you having me. (laughs) Oh, man. No, and I know this time of year, especially, um, you guys have a lot of commitments and different things, but the reality is you play a game for a living and I don't think you're all that, as busy as people think you are. So. <laughs> I, you know, I, I agree with that. I think it's almost more fun. People think you're so busy. They kind of let you be alone and you're like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not busy. You can call me, but my mom seems to think I'm always free. So she just calls me 20. Well, that's, the, that's a mom's job. And I'm glad, and I will say this, you have, I'll talk more about your family, but I'm friends with like your mom on Facebook and stuff. And they have, there is a different dynamic. And and sure, I don't know a lot of guys out there playing other pro sports and stuff, but you have a dynamic with your family that is just so refreshing. It is like you're, it's your senior year in high school and they're hitting every game with signs and wearing your Jersey. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. They, you know, it, it, it almost feels that same way to me. And I don't know, you know, and it's kind of never stopped since my senior year, you know, it's been over a decade now since high school, but longer than that. And, you know, it just, it does feel like that. They come to every game they can. When we pulled into Dallas last week, they all five of them were standing on the corner with their heads and the whole team was like, Hey, do you see your family out there? And I was like, and this is four and a half hours before the game when we're pulling in and no one else is there yet. So, you know, it's, it's true. You know, it's not, it's not just for Facebook. They're, they're they're about it all the time. Is it, I I suppose you're at an age now. It's not like you're in high school and you go, Oh God, there's my parents again, embarrassing me, but they're, it's got to feel now it's probably a source of pride with the other guys like where's my where's my mom you know yeah it is and you know for me because obviously it's been like that my whole life so when I was younger you know I you know I felt that same way I was embarrassed I was like why do they do this why do they cheer loud you know why are they so involved but now you know because I've met so many guys over the years whether it was from Canada you know in college and now you know in Philadelphia who some parents, you know, are working and just can't even come to games, you know, for whatever reason, you know, their, their support, their support system's not even there at all. And, you know, they, it's just them, you know, grinding it out on their own. So to like, know that I have that behind me all the time is honestly why I play the way I do, why I feel the way I do all the time. Cause it, it truly is like the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> and then there's that, man, I can't get cut. I can't, I can't get my, yeah, yeah. My, my folks have bought all this Eagle stuff. I got to stay oh, now. They, 
They've got Seattle. They've got more Seattle Seahawks, <laughs> Minnesota Vikings, New England Patriots gear. So if anyone wants anything, you know, <laughs> send my mom an email, you know, Facebook or she'll, you know, whatever you need. Shirts, uh, little garden gnomes, uh, license plates, keychains. Nice. They got all of it. Well, they do it all. And, and may, for the people that when we put out the video of this, I hung the Alex Singleton Calgary Stampeders jersey just for you that that's not a regular part of the set see i uh, figured it was there just all the time i'll leave it i'll tell you what i the day as we record this i have a facebook live tonight i'll leave it there tonight deal i'll, I'll let it it'll carry over i'll make sure to you know make a comment just so everybody knows i know uh, it's there the uh, your mom will tune in so she'll yeah, notice it. She will completely notice it. notice it. I won't even have to tell her. She'll just know. Yeah. She'll, she'll screenshot it. Hey, Alex, check this out. Yeah. She's yeah. done it before. Um, yep. I wore that on my show one day, actually. I you wore did. it. Yeah. So thanks for noticing. Appreciate yeah, it. I did. No, I know. <laughs> hey, uh, but I did also uh, got the Montana State University sweatshirt. My girls are both at Montana State University on the rodeo team. My family. We've been Bobcat fans forever. And how does it, what was the process of you going from basically Southern California, Thousand Oaks, California? How do you end up at Montana State? UCLA didn't want you. What's, and, and they're probably, hey, in all seriousness, little truth to that probably, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So no one else wanted me, actually. It was, <laughs> uh, you know, so I was, uh, yeah, I graduated high school at 17. So I was young when I was playing. So my junior year, you know, I was 5'10", 170. And so no one obviously recruited. And that's a huge, you know, and especially in California, you know, that's when everyone gets recruited is their junior year. And sure. And then so, you know, and it did just didn't, you know, I didn't play very much. You know, I started, but it wasn't like I was, you know, one of the best guys on our team. And then my senior year, I was 6'3", 210. You know, I obviously hit my growth spurt at 15 because I played all my senior or games my senior year at 16. So, oh, wow. By the end of the season, I still hadn't had any offers. And, uh, you know, I had talked to all the other big sky schools. And at this time, Montana State was the number one team in the country in 2010. And so, you know, it ended up happening. Uh, you know, Coach Ione, Kane Ione, who's the de sure. defense coordinator right now, was the linebacker coach at the time. And he came down. And I don't know what it was. He just, you know, now I know, you know, we're kind of very similar people. We play the game the same, you know, just and outside the game, we're the same kind of person. But, you know, when he came down and – that you know met me he was like yeah we're gonna offer you and i went on a trip i only had sweatpants and a snowboard jacket that i thought would be good for bozeman in january which wasn't <laughs> and I, uh, I committed right after that and that that was that was pretty much it rob ash was rob ash your coach yeah the, he was the head coach. coach then and he had a great career there um i met kane i own finally like you said defensive coordinator uh day of the bobcat grizzly game obviously not this past fall and I have trouble keeping track of how many times now in a row the Bobcats have beat the Grizzlies, but met Kane Ione. I would agree with you. I'd never met him. You guys, I could see how you clicked when you say you're the same outside the game, off the field. I, I see it. I completely yeah, see it. Yeah, you know, because I didn't know. You know, I didn't know why this guy was going to offer me. Because my thing, you know, like Weber State, I think, was like 0-11 in 2010 or something. And they didn't offer me. And I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to go to junior college, you know. Montana State's coming, you know, I had gone actually on a visit to Cal Poly that season and they had beat Montana, who was the number two team in the country. Sure, you bet. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool to go to Montana. You know, it seems like they got good uniforms or whatever. And, you know, this is before I do anything. 
But uh, yeah, and so, you know, I, I couldn't be more thankful. I love Montana in general. And then obviously Montana State, you know, really obviously changed my life and I owe everything to them. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, I cater, uh, this podcast, obviously, I, I deal with a lot, of, a lot of Western sports, so rodeo things, small town. Like, I, I take pride in being from a small town here in Montana, 16, 1,700 people. By the way, Alex, I don't know if you know this about me. My picture is on the wall of my high school in my, fo- in my football uniform. You yeah, know. I know. Weren't you a three? You were a three sport. Yeah, man. I have, the school record oh. in, I have the school record in the long jump, man. Not that you post the picture of you on your high school wall often, but, you know, I, I, I see it <laughs> pop up quite, quite a bit. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't know who else was sharing it, but I do know, you know, every, it seems to me every time you visit the high school, there's a, there's a Facebook picture. Somebody, every time I, and I have any friends that are in the high school, I went, they send me the picture, the feathered hair. Hey, the number know. one. Yeah, I know. It's really the hair. I think it's the hair more than it, it is. Yeah. Um, but the experience, I would, I would bet a, a kid coming from Southern California that going to, even though people in Montana call Bozeman, Bozangeles, a uh, oh, lot yeah. of, for, for Montana, it's a lot of people, but in general, I would think that your experience there, what had like a small town rural America feel that that was refreshing to you. Am I on track? Did you have a great experience there as far as friends, the connections there? Yeah, I think, you know, and people now, I think, I mean, Bozeman now is completely different from when I first went there. You know, I remember, you know, when I landed there and, you know, Coach Ione picked me up at the airport, it was still, you had to take the, you know, the county road to get to the airport. There was no, you know, huge highway coming off or, you know, you you get catered to Big Sky. It was, you know, Bozeman was Bozeman. It was kind of, it was that small, like you said, rural feel and, yeah, I loved it. You know, it was it, it was that small town to me. I see, you know, to me, and when I tell people, you know, in Philadelphia, you know, Montana, it's only got small towns. Even Billings, according to actually, know, yeah, Philadelphia would be a small town. I when I have a chance to go speak to kids, and I've done graduations and different career things around Montana, and I go speak, and I've tra- you know, I've traveled enough that, uh, you know, I'm in Billings right now, mm-hmm. uh, the the biggest city in Montana. This is small town America. I tell kids that this is small town. You're learning that. Do you, is there a, a fellowship, a connection, maybe a different friendship that you have with guys in the NFL that played in, I still call it one double a, uh, FCS schools, Montana state. You play with Carson Wentz. Who's from North, uh, a Bismarck guy. Is there a little bit of a connection there? Yeah, it's huge. And yeah, FCS in general, but I would also say, you know, just Montana, Montana state guys, like yeah. more than anything else, you know, there isn't, you know, a lot of Montana state guys right now, but uh, you know, the Montana guys, even, you know, like Cole Anderson, the older guys, you yeah, know, completely. there's just generational like pass down of everything. But uh, we played Arizona a few weeks ago and their running back Chase Edmond played at uh, Fordham. And during the game, he, you know, I made a tackle and we were kind of just talking. He goes, Hey, you know, I just wanted to, you know, say like, I love what you're doing, man. I'm a fellow FCS guy. And like told me where we went and I was like, that's just super cool. You know, you don't hear, you don't hear guys that went to Clemson and like Oklahoma behind you saying, having those conversations. And so it's just really cool to like, you know, we all recognize, you know, the work that you had to put in to, you know, be able to get to that point in your career. I I would think because I think guys from a Clemson, Alabama, they're supposed, quote unquote, supposed to be there. Uh, really, if you're playing football at Alabama or Clemson or Oklahoma, that was just a stop on your path. 
I think guys, University of Montana, Montana State, Fordham, it is like, I made it. I, I mean, that's a whole different kind of a path, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, it's just different, you know, because guys, I mean, we there's guys that are in the locker room and it's a downgrade when they go to the NFL from where they, yeah. you know, their colleges and stadium sizes, you know, sure. fan bases and everything. But, you know, when you go to Montana State, you know, you know, the amount of kids that I just played with, you know, from Montana that were like, this is pro football in the state of Montana. I mean, Montana and Montana state is pro football. And it's, you know, that same, like guys, once, once they play there, they're like, cool, you know, I've played football and now I'm going to go do whatever's next. You know, that's where it like, that was the pinnacle and that's the end. And, you know, it, it is funny, like the different aspects and like viewpoints that everybody has in it. Cause yeah, I play with so many guys now that are just like, oh, I knew I was going to do this since I was 11. Cause I was six, four, 210. <laughs> and you're just like, man, that is totally different than how I got here. I have a, it's funny because uh, probably one of my best friends in Shoto, Montana, where, where my picture's on the wall. Anyway, yeah. another guy whose picture's on the wall there. One of my best friends there, Mark Fellows, who's a legend at Montana State. And, um, and he went on and was drafted by the Chargers. He had a bad hip injury, ended his career, but was amazing. And I always think that here, this guy went to Shoto High School and he's playing in the league alongside, well, he, he talks about his locker at the college shrine game was beside Jack Del Rio. They were partners, and Jack Del Rio's like, Montana? I mean, mm-hmm. I can't imagine the, I mean, they, they got to think you rode a covered wagon and a horse. and Oh, 100. And, and then same thing, like, uh, I know Kirk Timmer, he was on that yep. same team, and he was from yep. Big Timber, and he yeah. was with Dallas for a little bit, and yeah, the stories they say, but it, oh yeah, when they, you know, you went to school in Montana, even people in California think, you know, we rode horses to school or, <laughs> you know, rode horse. and then I, when I tell people Montana State's never had a snow day, no. they can't believe that either. Cause when this city, like the city of Philadelphia, if it, uh, if it snows and when I say when it snows here, it doesn't go to the ground. It just <laughs> snows in the air. Yeah. The city shuts down. There's no one driving. And I'm like, oh, you guys would. You guys need to go to Montana and see what, we'll see what real life especially, is like. Especially Bozeman. Completely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the pollution melts it in Philadelphia before it hits the ground. The pollution. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> is, it, uh, is it uh, harder? Well, it, rhetorical question. Because, of course, it's harder to be seen at a place like Montana state, you have your pro days. You have, if you're good, you're good. I think if you're good, you do get seen, but it, it is harder. That's a tough exposure thing. A Montana, Montana state. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really, you got to stand out. And then I look at uh, this year, who's the linebacker that played for the grip Dante. Uh, Olson. Dante Olson won every award you could for the Grizzlies still isn't quite, making it and he will someday, but, uh, it, it, it's an uphill battle just to have, get in front of some eyes, isn't it? Yeah. It's, and you know, cause I, you know, now, now where I'm at and I know how it works and cause you don't know how it works until you, you know, you've, you've been in it or you go to one of those bigger schools that everyone before you has done it. When I was at Montana state, you, no matter how good some of the guys were, you know, the Caleb Shrivices, the Brad Daly's, mm-hmm who won the Buck Buchanan's and did everything, Daenerys McGee, none of them went to the NFL. None of them, you know, were even on practice squads or even went to workouts. So you didn't know what to do, what to expect. I know my pro day 
it was it had snowed before and they scraped out a line for us to run 40s and you know and you know if we don't have an indoor facility so you're running that 40 outside and you know there's there's not an asterisk next to your time that says it was 32 degrees and snowing this day. You know, <laughs> you're not as fast as these other guys. Yeah. And just, there's just, it is a, it's a different road. And you know, a lot of the whole, the whole thing about the NFL, it's, it's all, it's more about like how they look, you know, how the, how the big picture looks. And it's almost easier to just take a guy who, who's had it always on that path than yeah. to take someone else and, hope that their ceiling might be the same, but I think it's more of the floor. Like someone at an FCS level, your floor can be lower than a guy. Like your ceiling might be the same athletically, yeah. but just the floor, they know a guy or they think or presume that a guy, if you can run a four, three, eight, and you went to Clemson, that no matter what you're going to be a, let's just say a four, four out of five all the time. And you might not ever hit that five out of five, but you will never go below that four. When if you're, if you just, for whatever reason, went to Montana state, had a different path, your floor might be a two, even though you play all your games at a five, you can play those games at two and they don't like to bet for that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I I always think the process too, I see it. I've talked to a lot of rodeo guys and that's how, you know, you and I got acquainted at the Calgary stampede. So you've been around a rodeo a little and I always on earth. It is the greatest outdoor show on earth. Uh, you know, rodeo guys I talk all the time. At the end of the year, when they crown the best, the world champion in each rodeo event, it isn't always about who the best one is. It's the about the one that learns the process. In rodeo, it's how do you enter? Do you know how to travel? Do you know how to handle this aspect? And I would think uh, pro teams in dealing with a Clemson guy and Alabama guys, guy, those guys have so much. I think this is kind of what you were touching on. They have everyone in the program knows how to get them ready for the NFL. Everybody's yeah. been there. And so they just soon deal with that and not have to teach you the whole process. Kind of, is that? Is, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm sure, you know, well, I'm sure, you know, because rodeo, you know, there's just so many different levels and you can compete, you know, however long, however short, you know, you can go to the highest rodeos or you can go to your, you know, small town rodeos and take home what, you know, whatever the entry fee was. Yeah. But you know, the NFL, like you said, there's only one, there's one league to play in. Yeah. And so if you don't know that process, it's a, it's a rude awakening, especially, you know, cause I've had so many people in my corner, like we said, my family and all this stuff, but none of them know, you know, none of the coaches I had in college really knew, you know, they, they knew as much as they knew, but they didn't know everything. And some places, you know, if you're playing for Dabo Sweeney, he knows every little sure hit detail to get you to the NFL. He's probably got a similar payroll to a lot of for his players. <laughs> you know, I don't know much about it. I can tell everybody Montana State players do not get paid. I can tell you. Uh, what, who was, what was the 30 for 30 on? Uh, who got the gold? Eric, Eric Dickerson, did he get the gold Trans Am? He all of a sudden yeah. had a gold Trans Am at college. When yeah, when he was at SMU, and then they got a uh, they got shut down. They're the yeah. only they're the only ones that have paid players though. The only one, <laughs> only school and only yeah. college in history that ever yeah, all, paid their players. Amazing. Yeah, all buddies that I know now. You know, I know guys. Yeah, they they didn't make a dollar. They swear by it. They you know not a single penny. <laughs> That's they didn't, crazy. They didn't graduate with 
hundreds of thousands of dollars. No, and and got that degree that they said. Anyway, we yeah, we could go on all day. Um, real quick, and and then I want to move on to some other stuff. But uh, I have had a couple friends, uh, guys I've been acquainted with, that were on practice squads. Uh, and you were on a, some practice squads. And you hear, I don't know that people, I, I do pay attention now that I've kind of known some guys when they say he was activated from the practice squad. What's the mm-hmm. life of a practice squad guy? I can't imagine having to go to practice every day and never getting to play in a game. That's like the ultimate suck of oh. athletics. Yeah, it's the most brutal thing. And he, he, so a lot of people first think practice squad is completely different set of players. You know, like, hey, you guys live differently. You don't go to the same meetings. You're just kind of like someone that was like on a bus one day and they were just like, hey, you look like yeah. you'd be a good practice squad guy. Like, Rudy, no, the guy, like Rudy. Like you Rudy. You know, yeah, they like just Rudy. assume it's like this magical story that some guy's lucky. Like, no, you do. You do everything. It's like in high school, you know, when you've got 80, you know, I guess you guys didn't have 80 guys on your football team. We had, we had 50 ish back then. So You know, after, after your starters, everyone else is, you know, doing the scout team, they're showing the cards, they're giving you the look of the team you're playing. Yeah. And that's exactly what practice squad guys do in the NFL, except you still sit in all the same meetings. You still have all the same lifting times, usually worse lifting times. You're usually 6am before meetings because you know, the, the older vet guys aren't getting up early They're you know, they're on their schedules and their routines. So, you do everything with the team. You practice. Wednesdays is full pads day. You're giving looks. You're, you know, you're taking all the extra reps. Our team, we do developmental where if you're on the practice squad, you spend 10 extra minutes every day and you do more stuff. And then on Sundays, you just don't get to play. And so everything, that's the only difference between a practice squad player and an active player is you just don't get to play in a game. No, you don't make as much. Come on. That that's that's another but you that's but you're making a living but you're making a living, correct? I mean yes, ultimately Yeah, I think yeah, I mean yeah, it's yeah, the NFL they've they've got some money now. Now the CFL practice squad, I don't know if they're making a living. <laughs> you're making a living. You are making more than a living being on the practice squad in the NFL. Good good segue, by the way. Uh I you know, I remember when you went and I've seen a lot of you see a lot of players go to Canada and play and mm-hmm. I, I like watching Canadian football. And I've spent some time, as you know, I've spent some time up there. But that was, you You informed me after I got to know you, your mom is Canadian. So on Canadian football teams, I didn't even know this. There's a quota of Canadians they have to have on the team. You satisfied the quota, right? Yeah, so they have to, you have to have seven starters and then half, you know, there's something, however many guys on the, like 20 guys, I think the roster is like 45 and 20 of them have to be Canadian. So yeah, and I, because my mom was Canadian and I got my citizenship while I was in the NFL, you know, bouncing around from practice Ah. squads, I counted as a Canadian player in the CFL. And what a loophole. What a, (laughs) thanks mom. Where was your mom from? I think I asked you this one. Toronto, but she had moved when she was 12 to Arizona. So doesn't he, I mean, she doesn't even say a boat and doesn't care about Tim Hortons. None of it. She calls conditioner cream rinse though. Oh, she does. It's still, and that's a, that's a, yeah, that's one of the funny. Does she, does she say that is a good llama and drama and garage? Cause that's the other. No, she doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't do any of those. I'm trying to, (laughs) there is a couple things, but now I'm just so used to like, 
because I lived in Canada and I had to deal with their yeah, boots the stuff, boot. you know, I, you know, you're just, <laughs> now I just, I just hear it all the time. So now I'm just used to it. Now I'm friends with, you know, some Canadians. You know, yeah. Just, what'd you, what'd you learn playing? What, what happened to you up there that then you were able to come down here and finally get on a team? Um, and I know then you were kind of on the practice squad too with the Eagles and got activated, but uh, I, to me, if I got to pick something out, I'll just float this to you. When I watch you play now on Sundays, you look way faster. And I think the whole key to playing in the NFL is speed. Am I right? Yeah, I would say. And that's, you know, something I've really, really focused on the last two years. When I was in Canada, you learn how I just learned how to be a pro first and foremost. I grew up, you know, like I said, I was young going to college. I didn't redshirt. So I, my first year in the NFL, I was 21. And, you know, from, from Montana State going to the NFL. I went to Seattle, who had just come off back-to-back Super Bowls. And so I was definitely a fish out of water, not, you know, just – it was it was just tough. It was just going to a – from Montana State to the NFL. It was just it is what it is. And so when I went to Canada, I just learned how to be a pro. And then so after that, yeah, and then once I got back to the NFL, I think that's why I wasn't – you know, why I didn't play right away, you know, last year. Because the, the game's different, and it is all about speed. And that was one thing that I emphasized this year and just kind of – yeah, have have taken full advantage of it and being in conditioning shape to be able to be fast all the time. Yeah. Um, are you smaller? Are you playing lighter right now than you were in Canada? I know these are little technical questions. Yeah. I'm just curious. No, I don't know if I'm allowed to. Yeah, but no, I am. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I know that. Look at me. But I'm leaner, so I look bigger. So it's kind of a. I know that's. I know you were thinking that about me too. I, 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 I was going to ask. You know, yeah. you... It's the Bobcat sweatshirt. God, it makes me look bigger. Um, uh, I have said, there's been a weird year for everybody. And I've said in interviews, uh, not long on the radio, I said, you know, it's affected my job, of course, because I perform in front of crowds. I think professional sports is completely the entertainment business. And I struggle watching professional sports with no crowds. And I've made the comment, if any professional athlete currently says, no, I just, I just play because I love the game. We don't notice there's not a crowd. I said, they are lying completely. I know the energy you play with and what you get from the crowd just watching you. Man, it ain't the same, is it? No, and uh, I would say, you know, what's funny is because every place we go to, there's different rules, there's different protocols. And so every stadium, is just, it's just different. But when we played in Green Bay – First, yeah, first, like you said, when there's no fans, it's it sucks. It's horrible. It's not what you would think. Yeah. You you do play for the love of the game, and you do you do get into a groove and energy, but there's just – it's not like it. But when we played in Green Bay and in Arizona, they had tickets for people who were, like, staff members of Green Bay and Arizona, just the organization. Mm-hmm. They were allowed, like, 70 tickets. And just having 70 people – all only cheering for the other team made the biggest difference in the world. So if you could honestly, if just one person was there cheering either way, <laughs> your mom, you know, that would be enough for 10,000 people, but yeah. it, it truly makes the biggest difference in the world. Just, you know, 30 fans in a stadium that holds a hundred thousand people made a difference Completely. from nothing to 30. And it's, it's incredible how much the fans matter. It, it, in all I, I, I noticed that, that when we went back to work and there was 30% crowds, there'd be 1,500 people in a 8,000-seat arena in my case. You forget how much they mean to you, really, 
um, yeah. how much they care. I saw, I, I saw, most people saw on social media, JJ Watts thing. He went off um, about, we get to play a game for a living and mm-hmm. fans care. They care so much. And that you feel that when you're in front of them. I thought, I thought that was a real uh, great statement, especially in, in the year we've yeah. been having just to play in front of those people that really care, especially in Philadelphia. Yeah. If there's nothing like the city. I can tell you, <laughs> I put in the nicest places from Bozeman to, to Calgary, you know, Seattle's nice people, Philly. I, they're nice people, but <laughs> man, they, this city lives and breathes by the Philadelphia Eagles. So I will say this year, we, the city is not happy with us. And when the city is not happy, it is not a happy place. Like Mondays are gloomy. Oh. It's it's a different world. I mean, they threw snowballs at Santa. Like this, exactly. That's Philadelphia. Yeah. Like you, we can tell when we have no fans and we lose. You can hear the booze. Like it's it's <laughs> it's, it's my bad. man, one of my favorite players, and I love the guy. I don't know him personally. You could probably vouch for the fact that I've never heard anything but good about him. No one in Philadelphia Eagles history was so glad to not be playing in front of fans as Carson Wentz was for the first half of this. I feel so bad for that guy. And, and, and I, I, I'm not just joking about it, but it's got, you're real people. You guys are real people. Carson Wentz is a real guy. No matter how much you money you give that guy in the off season, he's a guy and he's a good guy. And when he's struggling to be on a team with someone like that and see him struggling and know this could be it as an Eagle, that's got to be tough, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, and you feel for guys like that because, you know, one, they you most likely love the game just from a point of, like, as a kid, they love the game. And they, yeah. so they don't want to fail. And then when – if something's going wrong, and whether it's your fault or outside or whatever, you feel that pressure. And, like, we talked about, you know, the fans, like how much they truly do love it. And you you feel that. And so when, you know, whether you know, the pressure builds on you uh, and it could be good or bad, and, you know, in some cases when it gets bad, like it, you know, has, you know, for Carson this year, which first and foremost, I think he's, like, the best. I've never seen someone throw a ball like he does, and I train with Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, the way Carson, the, the athletic ability that he has is – par none he's like truly incredible so but yeah it, it it's gotta it's gotta weigh on him because I you know I talked to him the other day I know how much you know he he wants to be great and tries to be great and works to be great and so I you know just uh, from a competitor standpoint you know you just know it kills him if you if Carson would like to come on here I could help it I mean I could make him feel but just let him know <laughs> A, you know, I like Bismarck. It'll make you feel better. Cars, <laughs> yeah. I can help you. <laughs> you know, spread the word around the locker room. Anybody I'll that. Let, I'll yeah. let all the guys, they'll, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I'll just take them to a rodeo. They will, some oh of those guys God. will lose their, they'll all say they'll ride a bull too. I, I promise you that. If you get some waivers, <laughs> I could get some. Yo, well, Lane Johnson, he's from Oklahoma. I bet, I bet he's been on a bull before. Could though. be. Could be. I, I know you brought some guys up to Calgary, which, by the way, just real quick, because I want to get on to something else. The way, I, I should clarify. Yes, you were at Montana State. I just watched you from a distance, respected what you did. The reason we got acquainted is I'm at the Calgary Stampede one year. I knew you were playing at Calgary. So I'm getting ready one day and I put my Bobcat, I'm putting Montana State socks on just because. Because I wear Bobcat stuff. 
And I took a picture and I said, today's socks go out to former Bobcat and Calgary Stampede great Alex Singleton. I get a message like 10 minutes later. Hey, man, you got tickets? Can I get some tickets to the rodeo? Like, you bummed tickets to the rodeo to the Calgary Stampede. Let me just clarify. That is how we met first. That is, it's a hundred percent how we met, you know, once you, I mean, once you shout the guy out, he's got to ask for a ticket. Yep. You had your white straw hat on. I picked you out easily. Hey, I I didn't, I didn't dress myself. There was, there was a nice rodeo queen that did it for me. Yes, there was. Dang sure was. Um, Hey, hey, I respect your, your sister, Ashley, who's cool. Um, has inspired she's i mean you guys have quite the relationship i mean she's your big sister right she's older yeah, yeah, yeah. she's older Three and years older. down syndrome you do amazing work uh with the special olympics and i i have called the special olympics in montana the greatest sporting event i've ever been to i've been involved with it a little bit and you you said one of the most meaningful things to me personally ever. You said, I worry about my work with Special Olympics that people th- will think it's just a cause that a pro, f- pro athlete took on. They have no idea how much it means to me. It means the world to you, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, and, you know, I say it all the time, you know, I'm the second best athlete in my family, not only because, you know, what, you know, just my sister will be able to compete, you know, the rest of her life and win more awards and medals and everything, but... <laughs> the passion that she has for those sports and every special Olympic athlete has for their sports is it towers over any guy that I've ever seen play the sport that I play. And I mean, I, and don't say that in any disrespect to any person that I know that plays professional football and don't say it either to say that we don't work and do everything we can every single day to be great at this game. But the, but the passion that you can see in someone's eyes who intellectually or physically disabled and go out there and give everything they can. I've seen guys who, who can't physically get up, can't walk and they're on a soccer field, you know, someone, their dad, their brother, someone's pushing them in a wheelchair and they're doing everything in their power to kick that ball and they can't use their leg, but then their wheelchair, you know, their brother pushes them into the ball and that, that ball goes into the goal and the, the facial express, the reaction that you get on out of that guy is the greatest thing in the world. And that, and that's why I love special Olympics so much because it gives that community, you know, the opportunity to participate in sports and, and it, it doesn't matter whether they can, you know, do everything or do nothing. They're going to get full inclusion. And that's, you know, that's what it's all about. You have a, you had social media tackle inclusion. Is that mm-hmm. the inclusion that's a big catchword for you and what you do. Yeah, yeah. So this year, yeah, I did, and which is really cool that we actually, I think, a few hours ago hit the ten thousand dollar mark. I know, week one, I was shooting to raise a thousand dollars. So the fact that we hit ten thousand dollars tackling inclusion this year is, you know, because you know, Special Olympics is the most inclusive thing in the yeah. world, I think. And like you said, you know, just being around and being able to volunteer, going to support, um, it's just it brings. You know, like I said, people in a, in a community who, you know, might not always be able to make decisions for themselves, uh, you know, might not, you know, be able to do a lot of things. But when it comes to Special Olympics, it's it's their it's their field, it's their court, it's their, you know, whatever sport it is, it's their pool. And they get to, you know, be the be the leaders of it. And it's truly, I think, uh, like I said, the, the best organization in the world. Does your what's your sister's like go to or does she do every what's her go to? 
events. So her go-tos, I, it's swimming and bowling yeah. and then soccer. She does soccer. Soccer isn't through Special Olympics, but she's she's a swimming and swimming and bowling are her. <laughs> I, I got to say, you, you guys were doing some uh, workouts in the garage where you hmm. were on, you were going live. And you were doing obviously workouts that could benefit um, people. Ashley was helping you, you know, and I chimed in Ashley's way cooler. And you guys recognized me one day, but I will say, I think the greatest dynamic between you two is you're just your annoying little brother. Like that's what I, when I watch okay. you guys, okay, yep. let's do this. And she'll like, look at you like, God, Alex, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's and hilarious. Oh yeah. And there's times, cause before we're doing it, I'm like, Hey, so what do you want to do? And you know, some people be like, you know, why does she let you talk to you like that? Or why do you, why does she talk to you like that? I'm like, that's just my sister. Yeah, <laughs> like it's... at the end of the day and someone, you know, people ask, you know, was it different growing up with some and someone in your family with special needs? And I'm like, I don't know. One, it's my older sister. How would I know anything different? You know, yeah. but, and also I'm like, I mean, it's kind of your loss for not having someone, you know, with special needs in your family. Cause I mean, I know just from the people I meet who meet my sister and just kind of hear yeah. our story, her story, like instantly are like, man, like I need her in my life. So it's, it is the it, coolest thing. Yeah. yeah something you may not have even noticed, but because I do have friends that are down syndrome, uh, really associated with some kids that God, they just, uh, they're just cool. I, there was an article, I was reading an, an article someone posted about you and something caught my eye and I took offense to it. Probably nobody else did said, um, Alex's older sister, sister, Ashley suffers from down syndrome. And I went, I don't, she doesn't suffer from anything. I thought it was a poor choice of words. Happiest people I've ever met. If my day is not good, happiest people in the world to be around. It's always a great day. Seems like with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, and I know that article, I know, and I know the lady who said it and I know she, no, 1000% sure. it's because it was a live thing. It didn't even didn't even mean to because it was more like the my cause my cleat thing and just kind of right. yeah exactly you know and and i talked to her after she's like one of the most supportive people of special sure. olympics like in the world and i you know but yeah if that's a, and i tell people all the time like this year i think like i have been almost more like kind of like just angry inside because i haven't been able to just be around you know special olympics you know there's no events to go to because when you see you know, like you said, just the energy and just the coolness of those athletes. Like it, it, it gives you a, a new outlook on life. And like, without, for me, without kind of having that, you know, the people that I lean on that, you know, kind of balance my life out to be able to, to be able to go spend time with them really. Like I can tell, like, I'm just not as like cool yeah. and relaxed like they are. Cause you know, I just haven't, I haven't been around everybody as much. Yeah. Um, before I let you go, I was talking about, I have a sister in or Southern Oregon, Medford, Oregon. We were talking one day and my mom said something about, oh, Flint's watching the Eagles. He's kind of friends with uh, Alex Singleton, 49. And she goes, oh my God, the guy with the long hair. Like it's a stigma. Please reveal why in Canada you grew your hair out long. Um, it was the hockey thing, right? You told me. No. So originally why I grew it out. So when I was in Montana state, I had it. So everyone, well, you know, Montana guys, you grow your hair out. Like at yeah. some point in your football career, everyone tries to grow their hair out. It's got to hang don't. out your helmet. You quit. Yeah. And first and foremost, any woman, you know, anyone out there who doesn't like guys with long hair, just it, all it shows is true commitment. You find a guy that'll fully commit to something for a year and a half. 
I mean, it's it's commitment. Yeah, it's, it's a true really true sign of commitment. So if you're ever looking for a man out there, just if he's got long hair, he'll be he'll be committed. But no, so <laughs> one of my buddies, Cody Cleveland, he grew his hair out and he started balding in college. And one day he was like, oh, I bet you like it was either twenty or fifty bucks that you won't grow your hair out for this season. And I was like, oh, whatever, like I'll grow it out. And I grew it out my senior year, and so I grew it out. And then you know, it, by the end of the season, it was it was long enough to kind of like slick back it's that awkward stage we call it in the middle and then i was doing the nfl workouts and then all of a sudden by the time you know i was going to teams i I could pull it back into a bun and i was like well now i'm just gonna be the montana kid with long hair (laughs) and i just kind of wrote it out (laughs) ever since you wrote it out well you told me it's great in canada because all the ladies think you're a hockey player yeah exactly yeah and people you know it's not yeah and the nfl you know obviously in the u.s the nfl is the nfl right but in Canada, it's the NHL is completely yeah. above the CFL. And so if you have long hair and you're, you know, they don't, I mean, a lot of the hockey guys are obviously smaller, but you know, you can get away with if, and, cause I'm good buddies with Johnny Goudreau, who's, you know, the flames best player. And so, you know, you go out with him, you, you know, you have some hair and they think it's a little, <laughs> I'm at, it's coming I, out your helmet. I think mine is at that in between stage in case you were yeah. wondering, it's got that glare on the forehead. I, know it's because when you're slicking it back you're practicing in the mirror it, uh, you know, come. <laughs> thanks alec no you know what i think my best hair days are behind me i really do they're, I, on, they're on the wall at your high school if any <laughs> it was back then it was a bi-level not a mullet it was a bi-level that was hey the, I, we've who my roommate also has long hair and i know someone was trying to convince him last week to cut the full mullet and it would have been. Do you? It would have been. I'll let you go. I know you got media stuff to do. Do you room with a fellow football player or just some guy you know? No, I room. I room with a fellow football player. We we started well last year. Actually, he was on IR, but you know we we've lived together the last two years. Yeah, Joe Osman. He's the man. Everyone watch him. He'll be, what what is he? Number ninety five. He plays D end. Okay, where's he from? Where did he go to college? He went to Central Michigan. He's from the UP Upper Peninsula oh, the, in Michigan. The, He's the a, UP is it's brutal up there. Oh, yeah. Awful. Awful. Yeah. Well, but, it's, it's good you can handle the yeah, winters. Too. Yeah. Thumb, right? <laughs> Listen, uh, I know I know. we joked that you're really not that busy, but you are. And I don't like to bother you during the season, but uh, I do tell people that I, I brag on what a good guy you are, consider you my friend. And it really, it's nice, uh, the guys that helped me here too, it's good to have a connection. I told you that. Good to have a connection to something we've always watched. It, it brings a humanity there. Uh, and I think we all need that. And I know, you know, I have a lot of fans we deal with in the rodeo world. We're watching rodeo. We're not even watching football anymore. There's been a lot of um, political things intertwined in professional sports now. But I know guys are good. Um, it's good to have the connection with you. And I don't know if that's, you know, not something I touched on with you if it creates difficulties, but it's just good to watch. I know how much you love the game and I love your passion for it. And I just appreciate you taking time to with little old Flint here in my podcast to, to have a good, good hour or so. Hey, well, of course, always, you know, any, any, any second of my day, only for the Bobcat. <laughs> okay. Well then we'll do it again. No other reason. <laughs> okay. But I'm going to say this. Uh, I will reward you. But the, I, I pay people to be on this podcast. My reward to you is I will attend, once crowds are back, 
I want to attend one of your games. Um, so my reward to you is I'm bumming tickets off of you for a game. That's, and there's, it, there's no better. And then I'll even maybe if uh, Montana State has Cat Grizz this spring, we'll have to bum tickets off Choate. So we'll uh, yeah, we'll go on the side. I, I'm sideline all the way, man. Oh, so, me too. I'm I'm alum. Yeah, I'm not, but I know people. I know people. So, uh, and if you're playing the Packers, that'd be the game I'd want to go to, and it would be questionable if I'd cheer for you. That's okay. I did grow up a Packer fan. So there, me say, too. There you I go. I won't say it too loud in Philly because they, they don't care. Do you look but over? Look over you your better, shoulder. Uh, you, you're once you're a bird, you're a bird no matter what. That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, listen, buddy. I appreciate it, Alex Singleton. Um, good luck the rest of the way. You got a great career ahead of you, and. Uh, I appreciate you, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you. You, you, well. you got it.